Hey, good morning, everybody. So we've been in a series for a while now. We've been calling Jesus is Better. This is actually a study through the book of Hebrews. And this book is birthed in a concern. We've talked about this before. The writer wants to urge us to go all the way with Jesus. Uh, so, uh, you know, the original audience he was writing to had an initial excitement about Jesus, but then things got difficult for them. They got tough. So some of them were actually facing persecution because of their testimony in Jesus. They had loved ones that were suffering and hurting. They had friends that were actually deserting uh, Jesus and the faith community. Uh, life was hard for them. There was sickness. There was death. Many of them were disappointed in God, so they were tempted to go back to what they knew and you know, what they found comfort in. They were like, wait a minute, when I accepted Jesus, my life was supposed to get easier. But in some ways, my life has gotten harder. And because of this, some of them were kind of starting to lag behind. So last week, the author likened the Christian life, not just to a race, but to a marathon. And he said, look, we've got to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In other words, we have to finish. We have to keep running. Even when life gets difficult and things are hard, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. So every single day, in other words, this is the key, he says, to perseverance or longevity in the Christian life. Looking to Him, walking with Him, abiding in Him. And as we hang out with Him, we slowly become more like Him. Here's what I want to do. I want to show you a great picture of longevity and what it looks like. So why is an oak tree tall and strong? The answer is longevity. It's perseverance. See, oak trees are powerful and majestic because they've weathered years of storms, harsh weather, wintering, uh, withering sun, gusting winds, bitter cold, right? Year after year, season after season, they keep growing in strength. And as they do that, their roots grow deeper and deeper into the soil so that they become virtually immovable, literally unmovable, because it takes dense hard bark, right, and deep roots to weather the harsh conditions that oak trees have to endure to thrive for literally hundreds of years. Now, at the base of an oak tree, in the, in the moist shadows, you'll often find another kind of plant. Uh, these are completely different from the plant in whose shade they grow. Mushrooms grow up overnight. They're quickly gone. They aren't strong, nor do they have deep roots. In fact, any one of us in the room could bend over and flick a mushroom, and it would fall apart. Um, so big, rapid, short-lived growth is not what God is after. And it's so interesting to me. In Isaiah 61, God's referring to his people, and he refers to his people, who he wants them to become, he refers to them as oaks of righteousness. And it's so interesting to me that he doesn't say he wants us to be mushrooms of mellowness, 
right? No, he wants us to be oaks of righteousness, mighty of soul, men and women who aren't moved by the wind or the harsh conditions of the world around them. And so he begins here in Hebrews 12, and he quotes from Proverbs chapter 3. Now, when some of us think of Proverbs chapter 3, there's kind of some verses there that overshadow us. Many of us have probably memorized those, right? It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. And so these verses that he's about to quote come right out of that same chapter in the Bible. And here's what it says. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he disciplines everyone he accepts as a son. So he tells us there's two ways to respond, and we're going to get real clear about what God's discipline is, what it isn't, but he tells us there's two responses that people can have to God's discipline. And in verse 5, we see what the first response is. You can take it lightly. You can make light of it. You can refuse to take it seriously. You can refuse to heed it. In other words, If you do that, if you make lightly or take lightly God's discipline, you get no benefit from it. You forfeit the purpose of that discipline in your life. Uh, So he says this, God's discipline will come and go in your life, but if you refuse to allow it to mold you, to shape you, to change you, to grow you, then God's purpose, God's discipline serves absolutely no other purpose in your life other than the pain. That's it. You go through his discipline without uh, harnessing the purpose you were meant. Um, And so uh, the writer in verse 5, the way he says it, he says, don't take God's discipline lightly. Now this is so interesting. I'm going to go off on a little rabbit trail, but I think it's a cool rabbit trail. So in Hebrews 12, 2, when we're told that Jesus uh, despised or took lightly the shame of the cross, this is the same word used here as is used in Hebrews chapter or a few verses earlier. So in other words, the author is saying this, that Jesus on the cross took lightly the pain and the uh, scorn of other people. In other words, he took lightly what other people said about him. And we are told not to despise or take lightly the discipline of the Lord. And usually we reverse those two. So in other words, we despise the pain in our life but we put a high value on the opinion of others and what they think of us, right? So what we should put value on, which is the discipline of God, we take lightly. And what we should take lightly, which is the opinion of others, we put all our value on. And I'll tell you why we do that. It's because we don't place the same value on our faith that God does, As far as God is concerned, there is nothing more important about you than your faith. So sometimes God will take things away from us that are of a lesser value uh, so that he can do a greater thing in us. 
And, and he would just say, look, don't despise that. Don't take that lightly. So the two responses to, being, to God's discipline is we can take it lightly. And the second is found in verse 11. We can be trained by it. We can be trained by it. Now, when you are trained by God's discipline over and over and over again, it serves a vital and a good purpose in our lives. In other words, when we're trained by it, we're told that God's discipline will produce a harvest of peace and righteousness in our lives. We're also told that we will be conformed into the image of Jesus, that we will begin to share in God's holiness and that we will become men and women who are mighty of soul, who don't waver or wilt under the pressure of difficult and pain and hardship, right? Uh, in fact, the Greek word for betraying by it is the word gymnazo. So it, you kind of know what that means, gymnasium, right? You think about athletics. So here's what the, uh, our, the author is telling us. He's saying, look, in the same way that an athlete will train, in other words, break down muscles so that they can become stronger, let me just ask, how many of you have ever been sore after a workout or a hike or a swim? Yeah, if you don't have your hand up, you need to get out more. At least get off your couch, right? That would probably help. Yeah, most of us have probably been sore at one time or another. So I'll tell you this, soreness isn't pleasant. I mean, it's painful. But that pain makes us stronger. In fact, weightlifters have a saying in the gym. You've probably heard it when it comes to our bodies. No pain, no gain. No pain, no gain. The author here is saying the exact same thing of our souls, of our faith that a weightlifter would say in referencing our bodies. He is saying, look, if you don't go through pain in life, there will be no gain in your spiritual fortitude. You will not become stronger spiritually. You will become weaker. He's saying, look, God uses pain and hardship to make you strong for your own good. Said another way, he is saying this, the muscle of your faith, will never grow if it's not tested and broken down. And this is so counterintuitive to most of us. Because we don't think like this, um, but it's absolutely true. And the author here is telling us that, that divine discipline uh, comes from a loving, perfect, heavenly Father who has our best interest at heart. He's doing it for our good. And so look at what verse 7 says. Endure hardship as discipline. Endure hardship as discipline. Well, what kind of hardship should I endure as discipline? All of it. Any kind of hardship you should endure as, as discipline. Anything difficult, anything hard, anything painful, anything disappointing. And why do we have hardship, he would say? Well, because God is treating you as his child, as a son, as a daughter. See, discipline, in fact, in verse 8, he tells us that discipline proves 
that we're legit, that we're legitimate sons and legitimate daughters, that we're really God's kids. It affirms our identity. In fact, he goes so far as to say this, if you aren't being disciplined by God, in other words, if you're not experiencing hardship, then you're not God's son or his daughter. This is so incredible. And then he tells us in verse 10 that discipline is a kindness from God. In other words, this is hardship is a kindness from God because it's stretching us, it's growing us, it's for our good. And then in verse 11, he says, look, for the, for the moment, all discipline, at first it seems painful, but later on, right, it produces uh, that peace and that righteousness. And some of us need to hear this. Listen, the pain in your life right now, the disappointment, that hard thing, is God's good plan in your life and in my life to mold you into the image of his son to grow and increase your faith, make you a man or a woman who's mighty of soul. And he's tearing down in you your strength so that you will trade your strength for his strength. See, listen, nobody in a, in a time of comfort or peace worries about whether they have the strength to do it or not, right? But it's in seasons when God's sons and daughters say, I can't do this. God says, good, then trade in your strength for my strength. Because I guarantee you, you can do it with my strength. So important. In fact, uh, the word used, uh, it's important to realize too that as he's talking to, about children here, so the words son or sons or children is actually, adult. he's talking about adult children, not infants or toddlers. In fact, we don't, we don't discipline an infant, right, for crying. An infant's just acting according to its nature. You'd be a heartless parent if you disciplined an infant for that. The, the idea is that we're, we're spiritual adults who understand that it's only through suffering that we can be made perfect. Uh, really important. And here's what I want to do. I want to show you a picture of what God's discipline looks like and why it's so important and about his intention as he allows uh, hardship to blow into our lives. So uh, check this out. This is a skit, guys. This is called God's Chisel. So let's watch it together. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray, Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. No, oh, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> you're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15:9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. What's that about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Let's get busy. Okay. I'm going to bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And uh, start right here. Your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. 
You compare yourself to others instead of me, and you lie. You tell little white lies. You're so afraid of confrontation. You're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here and then you come back and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life, or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, 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 chisel. All right, here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> this right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life, or do you want me to chisel it out? Chisel it. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. Oh, this is hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but I've let you down so many times, God. No. You were never holding me up. Okay, then chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're gonna find in there. Cause I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I hate what I see in the mirror cause inside is a scared, stupid kid. And I try, I try, but I can't, I can't be who everybody else expects for me to be. God, I can't even be who I wanna be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're gonna find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. You've bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. I want to show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a, it's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead and read it. Dear God, did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. But I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want, I love you, God. I love you, too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there, and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's? No, not the way you see yourself, or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece.
but you never knew a chisel was part of God's discipline, did you? But it is. See, when we say that God's discipline is a kindness, He's setting us free from ourselves. It isn't just that Jesus saves us from our sin. Just as big a miracle is that Jesus saves us from ourselves, our flesh, our desires, and all the things that uh, enslave us and hold us back and keep us from running. You know? And this is so important because a good parent disciplines his child uh, for wrongdoing, not to pay them back for the wrongdoing, but to form their character. I mean, can you imagine the parent that would say, hey, you're going to pay for that spilled milk, kid. I mean, can you imagine a parent that would do that, right? That's not uh, what God came to do. It's not supposed to be like that. Now, listen, I'd be the first to admit that in my home, as my children were growing up, there were times that I disciplined them, not out of love, but because I was angry, or because they'd inconvenienced me in some way. I think that uh, there were just too many times where there was too much of me in my discipline. And the author of Hebrews dials in on that, right? He says, look, we all have earthly fathers who discipline us, and they disciplined us the best they could, but God, as a perfectly heaven, as a perfect heavenly father, he really does discipline us for our good. He's not, he doesn't get angry like our earthly dads do. He doesn't discipline us because we've inconvenienced him like our earthly dads do. You know, in other words, a good parent, if they're going to discipline their child, the motive for that is going to be love. Uh, you know, you might hurt them, but it's to hurt them for the building of character. And so, um, Listen, here's the deal. Here's what I want to do. I, I want to get, get at the difference between discipline and punishment. Uh, and I want to change the way that some of us think about God, and I want to change the way that some of us think about our circumstances. Listen, the gospel is that God, that God paid Jesus back 100% for our sin. So if you are a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning... Every ounce of punishment for sin was put on Jesus. And so to give, for God to give just one drop of that punishment to you for sin would be unjust. It would be unfair because God would be demanding two punishments for the same sin. Let me give you an example. Let's say, let's say your wife pays the power bill. And then the, electricity, the, the electrical company sends you, the husband, the same bill and asks you to pay it again. You're going to say, well, that's not fair that we already paid that bill. The bill's already been paid. You can't ask for two payments for the same bill. It's the same thing with God, friends. This is why uh, Romans uh, chapter 8 verse 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus there's no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus Jesus took on 100% of the punishment that you and I deserve in fact a little earlier in the book of Hebrews, I want to read you a verse, and there's a word in this verse that uh, I want to draw out and talk about. Here's what it says about Jesus. 
Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and a faithful high priest in his service of God in order to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now, that's the word, obviously, because we don't use that word a lot. But the word propitiation means to satisfy anger or to satisfy wrath. So what he's telling us is that Jesus became the satisfaction of God's anger and wrath in our lives. So what that means is when hardship blows into your life, that's not because God is punishing you or because God is angry with you. It's because he's lovingly trying to grow you up into the man and the, or the woman that he wants for you to be. So if you're a believer, God is never paying you back for sin in the hardships of your life. And I hear believers say this all the time. You know, I think God's just paying me back for this decision. You know, uh, I know people that feel like God is still angry with them because of something that they did 15, 20, or 25 years ago. Listen to me, newsflash. God is not angry with you. All of God's anger was poured out on Jesus so that he could be pleased with you, so that he could be satisfied with you. Jesus absorbed all the judgment, all the punishment, so that nothing is left for you except mercy and grace. Jesus got those things so that you would get mercy and you would get grace. You know, now listen, so here's what I'm telling you. In whatever hardship or difficulty you're going through right now, God is not paying you back. Now, he might be trying to bring you back to him, but that, there's, there's a big difference between paying you back and bringing you back. But that's what hardship does, right? It always uh, brings us back to God. Now, generally, there are three forms of hardship, and it's important that we kind of understand the difference. So, I want to talk about those. So, there's punishment and punishment slash judgment, and then there's discipline. So, punishment is when you're being paid back for the wrong that you've done. In other words, the code of justice has been broken, so you have to pay. That's punishment. But that's entirely different than discipline. This is discipline is a loving attempt. It's not motivated by anger or wrath. It's motivated by love. It's a loving attempt to mold character or grow your faith. It's going to involve pain, but the goal is not retribution. It's growth and it's formation. It is meant to form our character and to make us strong and holy like Jesus. So there's punishment slash judgment. There's discipline slash love. And then there's just natural consequences. So these are just the natural result of bad decisions. So let's tease a few of those out. So you have sex outside of marriage and uh, she gets pregnant. See, that's not punishment per se, that's just biology. That's just the natural consequence of having sex. 
Let's say you cheat on your spouse and you blow up her trust in the marriage and in you. Again, that's not God disciplining you. That's just a natural consequence of not being trustworthy. Let's say that you're a self-absorbed father and the kids end up really not very interested in hanging out with you as as an adult. Again, that's not God's discipline necessarily. That's just the natural consequence. You were disengaged when they were little, so they're going to probably be disengaged as they grow up. That's just a natural consequence. You cheat, so you get kicked out of school. You do sloppy work, so you lose your job. See, these are all just natural consequences of our behavior. Now, it's absolutely true that God can, will, and often does use the natural consequences of our behavior as a form of discipline. But it's important that we understand the difference, right? So, in punishment... Believers suffer for the consequences of their sin. And sometimes God uses the the consequences to discipline them. But they never suffer punishment. Because Jesus was fully punished on the cross. He took 100% of that. Um, There's a wonderful quote, one of my favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis. Here's what C.S. Lewis says about pain and hardship. He says, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a morally deaf world. God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us through our pain. This is what makes pain so instructive and so good to help us grow in All right, great. So when we talk about God's love or a fatherly love, sometimes his love is a tough love. We're all familiar with that term or that phrase, tough love. Tough love denies someone something they want because you know it's not good for them. That's tough love. God, God, God's love is a tough love. It's a love that forges our character and grows us up into maturity. Now, do you know what happens uh, in the absence of tough love? We raise what might be called spoiled brats. See, normally when two people get married, a mom and a dad enter into a partnership and they start to raise children, normally opposites kind of attract. So one of those parents probably favors what I would call a tender love of the child. And the other parent might be a little tougher and be more in favor of a tough love. Is a tender love wrong? Is there anything wrong per se with a tender love? No. Is there anything wrong per se with a tough love? Absolutely not. But if, if you parent either all tender or all tough, you end up with dysfunctional children. 
Because if you if you uh, if you just if you oh if you're overzealous on the tender side, you raise spoiled brats. If you're overzealous on the toughness side, you raise children that are never secure in your love, never quite feel your approval or your love in their life. So they're dysfunctional. They're just dysfunctional in in different ways. And this is why so many of you argue when it comes to parenting, probably because one of you has that tender bent and the other has that tough bent. But you need both to parent well. And because God is a perfect heavenly father, he is the perfect balance of tender love and tough love. And what we're really emphasizing today is the tough love part of God, that he will bring storms, hardship into our lives to grow us up to look like Jesus. So let me just ask you a few questions. Do you trust that in all things that God is disciplining you as a son or a daughter? In other words, that an all-knowing, all-powerful God is in control of all things even difficult things, and using them all for good in your life. Let me put it a different way. Do you trust that in everything, every difficult situation, every frustration, every inconvenience, every disappointment, every uh, broken heart, every tragedy, and all of that, that God is at work forging your character and growing your faith, making you men and women who are mighty of soul. Then I love the way he closes this out in verses 12 and 13. <laughs> so look at what he says. Talk about tough love. He speaks tough love here. He says, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. So listen, here's what he's saying to him. Seriously, this is what he's saying. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> really. He's, here's what he's saying. Look, put on your big boy britches. I mean, it's kind of tough love, right? You know what I'm talking about now. Uh, in other words, he says, look, buck up. Get up. Get some grit and, and run through the hard stuff. Keep walking. Don't back down from that. And then he goes on to say this. Make level paths for your feet. In other words, walk through this one step at a time. Run through the wall that you always hit when you are running in a marathon. Walk through this. And then this is so genius. He says... So that the lame may not stay disabled, but rather be healed. See, this is so important because what he's saying is this. If you take God's discipline lightly, if you make light of it, if you don't take it seriously, and if you don't keep running, if you don't suck it up buttercup, if you don't do that, you're going to stay disabled. You're not going to find any healing at all. But, but if you allow yourself to be trained by God's discipline, 
You're going to find healing. You're going to find help. You're going to find new levels of freedom, new levels of strength that you never knew you had. All because, all because you were trained by the discipline of the Lord. In other words, God loves you, but he loves you way too much to let you stay the way you are. Like any good parent, he wants to see every one of us in this room grow up. But he doesn't want us to grow up to be like anyone except for one person. He wants to see us all grow up and begin to think and look and act and be moved by the things that moved our Jesus. And only difficulty, pain, hardship, disappointment, only those things can make that happen. So what do you say? Will you stand still under God's chisel? Will you let yourself be trained by his discipline? Let me pray for you and us. Heavenly Father, you, man, this is just so counterintuitive. It's so different than the way we, God, you talk so different than the way we often are tempted to think or uh, the way that we believe. And so, God, would you continue to change our hearts and change our minds about you, about the circumstances of our lives? Help us become the men and the women that you've always wanted us to be as we are trained by your discipline. God, we won't take it lightly. We won't refuse it. We don't want to stay lame. We don't want to stay disabled not for another day so we give you thanks and praise and we do it in jesus mighty name amen hey listen so i'm going to close out our service this way i'm just going to say hey now may you as you run the marathon the race marked out for you may you know all the grace mercy love and help that you can stand God bless you guys. Thanks for worshiping with us today. Hey, listen, if some of you could stick around and um, uh, train by helping us pick up and stack some chairs, that'd be awesome. God bless you. Thanks, man.